Hey everyone, Mike here. Welcome to the LaxRecords.com podcast, episode 33. Thanks for tuning in. I know it's I've had a, a bit of a break. I know last time I said I had a couple people that I had in mind for guests I was going to do every couple weeks, but it was a little bit harder to get everybody's schedule lined up, so I apologize for that, and um, I'm not going to make any promises from here on out. I'm just going to bring you the, the best possible podcast as soon as I can every month, and then once the season gets started, they will definitely be more regular. It's just a little bit harder in the off season with not a lot of news and stuff like that going on, but... That being said, I have a really great guest on uh, today, Coach Casey Dinofalo, the head coach at Tufts Lacrosse. He actually, um, I had reached out to him after he had sent a tweet out that I will have linked in the show notes about how he just recommended for young athletes to go out and take the either the SAT or S- ACT early. And for some reason, that just really struck a uh, chord with me because, you know, I wasn't one of those um, high school uh, uh, high schoolers that thought about that like as a freshman and sophomore so I kind of reached out to him to see if he'd be willing to hop on and then Tufts is just really active on social media and I had some questions about social media that I wanted to ask so those are going to be the two big things we covered today he was a, a fantastic guest I thank him uh, tremendously for taking uh, a part of his mid-afternoon we had a little bit of scheduling uh, we had to do but we got it done in the middle of the afternoon earlier last week so enjoy the podcast with coach Casey Dinofalo, the head coach at Tufts Lacrosse first off just kind of talk about what what prompted that uh sat act tweet that you had sent out well you know actually it was, it was a combination of two things one is um you know so for before i got to tufts you know 10 years before that the last 10 years i've been a, i was a high school coach and you know we had always we always wanted to prepare our guys to put themselves in the best position possible, either finding the schools that they wanted to go to or giving all the coaches the information or as much information as possible before they could make a commitment or put them in the best place possible in order to make a commitment. So, you know, we were sending guys to, you know, to a fair number of Ivy League schools or they were being recruited by a fair number of Ivy League schools. And, you know, we wanted to get an SAT on the board as early as possible, knowing that a lot of those coaches were going to, you know, add points to it and say, okay, like we know in the, in the past, if this kid, and this is based on a 2400 scale, you know, if this kid takes a SAT as a sophomore and he gets a 1650, then, you know, chances are by the time he's a senior, he's going to be able to get that up to a 1950. Um, And that's what our experience tells us. So, you know, again, as we, as we recruit guys, and again, we're on the much later track than than every school. Mm-hmm. You know, every Division One and every Division Three, when it comes to when we can make our initial offers. Um, you know, we were finding guys that we knew were smart kids, and on July one, which is our, you know, our earliest date that we can that we can offer a kid, July one going into his senior year. You know, they'd only taken the SAT or the ACT one time. And so, you know, when we were going to our admissions officers in June and trying to get reads on the kids, you know, they were like, all right, can you pass along the SAT or the ACT? And they've got one score. And we know the kid can do better, but our admissions office is saying, hey, you know, there's, I know they may project, you know, for a better score. They may have a higher score in the future, but I'm only reading what they've got right now and what they have right now isn't good enough. Right. Um, and so I seen, I, I thought that seems like a silly problem. Why wouldn't you just take the test a couple of times before that 
July one deadline, uh, that July one, you know, offer period from us, and put yourself in the best position possible, you know, from an admission standpoint. Yeah. Um, and again, if we are on the later side, then like it would definitely make sense for any kid that had any sort of Division one or Ivy League or Patriot League aspirations to do the same thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of, I mean, you, when you talk about it, it almost just seems like common sense, like take it. That, I mean, obviously, most people, especially at that age, I remember what I, what I was like when I sat down for my SAT, it was a pretty nerve-wracking experience because you've never done that before. You have no idea really what to expect, no matter how much preparation, like that that game day pressure does kind of mount um, with that. But, you know, it kind of seems to make sense. But how, how many athletes or parents do you kind of find, or, you know, when you say that to, they're like, Oh, okay. Like maybe just haven't really thought about that step because again, a lot of these parents and players are probably going through this process for the first time, and maybe they didn't think of it. Like, are you finding that's a majority, or or how how's that kind of playing out? I would say it's the majority. I would say it's the majority. I think that you know, again, um, you know, and and I and I wonder, you know, with the with the whole change in recruiting, you know, the, the recruiting timeline if that if that'll change. But mm-hmm. you know, again, I. Until you talk to a coach, an Ivy League coach specifically about a kid, you know, you're, and you're a high school coach, an Ivy League coach is not going to reach out to 50 schools in Maryland or 50 schools in Long Island and say, make sure that your athletes take the SAT or take the ACT early so we have the best idea of whether or not that kid's going to be able to get in. Because there would no there would be no reason for him to do that mm-hmm. because he's his his focus is on the kids right and seeing if the kids are good enough to play there and if he if he if he realizes that the kids are good enough to play there then we'll tackle the we'll tackle the academic question right but having been on the other side of it and always wanted our guys you know when I was at Taft to be in the best situation possible when it came to being recruited it was always like, okay, you're showing up as a sophomore. We're signing, you know, again, and it was always with the sophomores that had Division One aspirations. You know, you're signing up for a spring or even a fall SAT or ACT so that we can at least, like you said, have that game day pressure, have that initial score, figure out if you're in the ballpark, figure out if you need to get SAT or ACT tutoring, how much SAT or ACT tutoring. So really what it was is to give us a baseline moving forward to figure out how much help we needed, how much – um, additional tutoring we needed, or if, you know, maybe the kid was a rock star on the, you know, on the, uh, on the standardized test. And then, you know, he didn't, the parents didn't need to spend thousands of dollars on, you know, Kaplan tutoring and things like that. So, you know, you spend a hundred bucks for the test and it gives you a much better idea of what you need to do moving forward rather than waiting till the spring of your junior year. And then you're, you know, you get a bad score back and all of a sudden you're rushing all over the place, trying to take courses, trying to sign up for the next test, try and do the PG year. And it just seems like you could solve a lot of those problems if you just take it earlier. Yeah. And it just sounds like it, it gives more options to the, the player, the you know, the uh, the parents and, and all that. It's like it's just kind of opening up the places. And, I mean, who, who doesn't like to have as many options as possible? I completely agree. Yeah. I completely agree. And, you know, when we first started doing that, you know, we would get pushback from our college counseling office saying – Oh, well, you know, they take the PSAT and, you know, I would just tell them, you know, college admissions officers are not going to take a PSAT to an admissions director right. or an admissions liaison. Like, they need real scores. And, you know, 
ultimately we were able to bring our college counseling office along and make, make them realize that, hey, we're all on the same team here. We're all trying to get the kids into the best schools possible. You know, let's work together to make sure that we are getting these kids as prepared as possible and we've got them on the right track. I wouldn't have every single one of my kids take the SAT, you know, as a sophomore, mm-hmm. but any of those guys that we knew were legit or had legit Division One aspirations, particularly at schools that have, you know, tougher admissions policies, you know, we we tried to put those kids in the best situation to be possible, or excuse me, the best situation to be successful. Now, were you guys like the proactive ones of that, or I mean, did you have, did, <clears throat> excuse me, did you have the kids that would come up and be like, you know, and, and maybe they weren't a Division One player, but did you ever have a kid come up and be like, you know, like, I may not play Division One, but I want to go ahead and do this because I want to, you know, maybe they just want to see where they are or anything like that. Like, did you ever have players like that? We did. I mean, and again, like all you can do at that point is, is try and give them some guidance because mm-hmm. um, you certainly have those guys that, you know, don't have Division One aspirations who, you know, just wanted to take the test early and see where they were at. I'm not going to tell them they can't take the test, but I would try and talk to that kid and talk to his parents and try and counsel him on the best path forward and what he should be doing. And at the end of the day, all I can do is give them information, but it's, you know, they're adults and it's their kid. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, this kind of shifted a little bit because obviously I saw this um, this this tweet that you had sent obviously over social media and it just kind of got me thinking. One of the things that I've seen is, you know, obviously the last few years you hear a lot of talk about, you know, obviously how popular social media is and things like that. But, you know, every now and then I you hear stories and see stories of, of kids that, you know, maybe made a mistake on social media and that may cost them a spot or something like that. But I also kind of feel like this is almost one of those things that's slowly becoming urban legend. Like you hear the stories, but no one really seems to know the person <laughs> that it's actually happened to. So I wanted to talk to, to college coaches and see, you know, how important is social media for you guys as a, a recruiting? Like, is this something you guys are, are checking on athletes or is it just something that, you know, maybe is, is secondary? You know, it's, uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, so there, I think there's, I think it's a combination of things, right? So, you know, I think for us in a lot of Division three programs, we have very limited resources and very limited staff, right? I mean, I'm very fortunate that I have two part-time assistants um, that work their tails off recruiting, you know, working with our guys, doing everything that they can in order for us to be successful. We don't necessarily have the resources and the time to go and check on all of our guys, you know, social media, um, uh, you know, all of their activities, mm-hmm. you know. Um, now, it, and again, I think, like you said, it's urban legend a little bit, but at the same time, like, you know, again, some of these Division One football offices have full-time recruiting coordinators and full-time recruiters and, and, and a huge, huge staff of people that have more time to monitor kids on social media. Um, but I think what you, I think really we're like that losing a spot or anything like that. I think it's less a kid tweeting out something that, you know, whether it's about drinking or doing something that he shouldn't be doing or posting a picture of him, you know, holding a beer or, you know, smoking weed or something like that. I think you're less likely to see that be the, you know, be the tipping point and more it being, um, you know, something that he did that, um, you know, speaks to his character. I mean, I had a, I had a great conversation when I was working at Taft with a, um, you know, with a, with a historic division one coach, right. Guy was, you know, legendary. 
And basically, you know, we had a kid who got caught drinking and he had to bring that to the coach. And I circled back with the coach and ultimately the kid got in and I circled back to the coach and I said, you know, what, moving forward, just so I can educate my guys, you know, how do you guys view drinking? And, you know, basically what he said to me was, you know, drinking and even, you know, doing sort of like low class drugs, like smoking weed or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those are signs of kids being, you know, teenagers and making dumb decisions. Those are, those speak to a kid's decision making habits and, you know, the kid made a mistake. Mm -hmm. um, if it's something different like plagiarism, if it's something different like making a comment that has, you know, racist or sexist or misogynist undertones that are incredibly offensive and sort of blow up, that speaks more to the kid's character. Mm -hmm. And we can, when, when, and this is what the coach was saying, when we bring that stuff to the admissions director, they are much more likely to forgive a kid who has made a mistake of decision versus a sort of indictment on his character. Yeah. Um, so again, like if a kid posts a picture, you know, drinking, if it's a picture, you know, that's a great teaching moment. Um, that's something where you're like, okay, this is maybe a snapshot of what the kid's doing, but it's maybe not the entire story. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if the kid posts something that's a little bit more controversial with regard to, you know, I wouldn't even say politics, but, you know, sort of a, a racial statement or something that's insensitive like that, or you go on the kid's Instagram and he's got 40 pictures of him hammered, then maybe that sort of gets you to second guess or maybe says, you know what, maybe this isn't the type of kid that we're, that we're looking for, but you know, as far as rescinding offers, as far as, you know, not recruiting a kid because of that, I think a lot more of it has to do with, like we said, like those character issues versus kids being teenagers and experimenting and making bad decisions when it comes to, you know, drinking or something like that. Yeah. And I think you kind of, you, you, you made the point, it's like, you know, a, a picture may not be enough to you know, really raise the flag. It's like, you know, I think everybody realizes like, you know, these are 16, 17, 18 year old kids. You know, they're, they're going to do things. You're going to get peer pressure. Like there's all sorts of reasons, but you know, like you said, Instagram is full of 40 of those. I think at that point it starts to show like, all right, this wasn't an isolated thing. It's a repeated thing, exactly. but that might be enough to get a college coach to be like, let's pause for a second and maybe check out what else this kid is posting or saying online that, you know, maybe speaks to his character. So I think it's like, you know, an isolated incident, I think most people will forgive depending on the, the on what it is kind of, as you mentioned, but you know, the repeated, I think is a good point to make too. Like just kind of watch what you're, be, just be aware <laughs> of what, you, what you're putting uh, out there. In yeah, the exactly. And again, like, I mean, that's, and that's just my perspective on it. I mean, somebody might be much more sort of hands off or laissez faire and just say, you know what? Those are kids being kids, and when he gets here, we'll be able to, you know, monitor his behavior a little bit more. And other guys might be more, more stringent on it and say, "Oh, there's a picture of you drinking. Like, sorry, you can't come here anymore. You know, or, or I'm not going to recruit that guy." So I think it's, I think it's sort of a case by case basis um, yeah. with regard to that. Okay. And you know, speaking of kind of recruiting, and I know since the the rules have changed and whatnot, but you know, I, I've again, I think this is one of those urban legend things that you hear um, kids reaching out to coaches because obviously you're active on Twitter. Like, can are kids able to use or parents able to use Twitter, or Instagram, Facebook, things like that to actually 
contact you as a coach or any any coach or one of your assistants or a assistant? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, a lot of it a lot of it comes down to um, you know a lot of it comes down to really like how old the kid is. Again, you know, graduation year and thing like and things mm-hmm. like that. For us personally, we try and you know stay away from sort of those you know those informal communications, right? Like we want to you know we want to be able to have sort of a history of a communication with a kid, and we just basically tell our guys you know there are if a kid so like for example like if a kid direct messages you know one of our coaches on Instagram or Twitter or something like that, basically what we do is we basically just redirect that kid to you know if you really hey thanks for hearing from you, but if you really have interest in Tufts, you know, email us, you know, here's the way that you can do that. Um, just because, you know, I think that for us, the you know, the way that we communicate with the kids directly, we want to keep it sort of on our, on our professional platform, so our email and even our text messages, and we sort of want to save our, you know, our Twitter and our Instagram. Like, I'm maybe not a great example with the Twitter because that's more of a professional than a personal for me. But, you know, with with Instagram or my assistant coach's Instagram, that's more personal um, than it is sort of their professional platform. Yeah. And um, see, and I'm sure you've seen it too. And I'm sure I'm sure you get tagged in a lot more than I do. But, you know, the seems like the, the latest thing probably in the last couple of years is a lot of players post their, their highlight film of, you know, their, maybe their previous season or maybe their summer and then uh, a bunch of places get tagged in it and stuff like that. Like how valuable is that type of stuff for you? Um, it, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt necessarily. Um, you know, I don't know if it helps per se, you know, again, like I, I think that, you know, again, I think ultimately you've got some people that are pretty well known in the lacrosse community, right? So, like, if you, you know, if, if you hear from those guys, mm-hmm. right, if you hear from, from yourself or, like, a Ty Zanders, for example, and they're posting stuff, you guys are posting stuff, we're more likely to look at that than we are a kid who's tagging us in a highlight film, Um you know, there are a lot of different ways to show your interest in Tufts Lacrosse than tagging us in a highlight film. Now, that being said, like, do we look at that stuff occasionally? Like, yeah, we certainly do. I mean, we do monitor our social media, you know, daily. So if people are doing that, you know, we'll definitely take a look at it. Um, you know, if it if we feel like it warrants, a, if it feels like we warrants a view, particularly in the off season when the majority of our time spent in the off season is recruiting. Um, you know, but I think that, you know, again, like, it's really easy just to email the coaches and just say, here's my highlight film, here's my coach's contact information, here's my club coach's contact information, here are the things that I'm going to, here are the events that I'm going to be at, um, you know, and if you've got club coaches and high school coaches that, you know, know the programs, know the coaches, know what types of players the coaches are looking for, you know, it's pretty easy for us to be able to, to find those guys or be able to get eyes on those guys. Okay. Um, and th- just kind of to wrap up, you know, I-, I work for community college out here in Illinois and, you know, I, I actually run our social media uh, for the college. And so like we kind of sat down and came up with an overall, I guess, philosophy on how we use it and what, what our goals are. Does the, t- you and the Tufts lacrosse program, do you guys have uh, a philosophy that you use as far as like, this is what the social media are like, this is the purpose for our social media. And if you do, what is that? 
Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, we actually have spent um, a lot of time in the last year really looking in depth at that. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, we want to continue to, you know, grow our brand. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you said that. I mean, the, the tweet that we put out today, I don't know if you saw it, but, you know, it's basically like, hey, look at the 27, you know, here's, here's, some, here's some trivia. How many states are represented on the Tufts lacrosse roster in 2017, um, you know, and, and I guess giving away the answer is that we have 16 states represented on our roster. So we feel like growing our brand, um, you know, is important because we want to find the best kids from all over the country that fit our system. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not just looking at, you know, the traditional hotbeds because, you know, even though those places have been really good to us, we've also had some guys from some non-traditional locations that have been excellent, excellent players for us. You know, again, like, uh, you know, the, the three first-team All-Americans we had in 2016 were from, you know, sort of northeastern Massachusetts, uh, Minnesota, and Westchester County, New York, which are all – none of which are traditional lacrosse powerhouses. Mm -hmm. um, so – we're trying to grow our brand so that we can get more kids interested in Tufts um, and so that they can, you know, be, by becoming interested in Tufts, they send us their stuff. You know, if maybe Tufts wasn't on their radar before, all of a sudden it is. Um, you know, and then from a, from a tweeting standpoint, we try and tweet as regularly as possible at least once a day um, in order to be consistent with our message, in order to keep people interested in what we're saying. And then we also want to promote what our guys are doing on the field. Um, you know, we want to promote what our guys are doing off the field. Um, and then we also want to want to promote, you know, the video and multimedia content that we have, because obviously we have Tufts Lacrosse, and then we also have Jumbo's Lacrosse TV, um, which is, you know, an affiliate of ours um, that we have that's on on the YouTube platform and also does Instagram and also does, you know, those highlight videos and things like that, which are which are hugely important to, to everything that we're doing. Okay, and I, I found the tweet, so I'll put a link of that link to that in the in the show notes, so everybody can kind of check it out as well. And uh, since we're talking about Twitter, they can find you guys at Tufts Lacrosse on Twitter. Right. Um, anywhere else people should look? Yeah, I mean, it would uh, you know again any anything related to Jumbo's Lax TV. So again, if you were to t plug in Jumbo's Lax TV on YouTube, um, if you were to search it. You'd be able to find tons of video content, tons of uh, pictures, uh, links to the website, which is currently being revamped right now, um, and really just sort of inside information, you know, to the program. Um, so, again, guys are always interested in, you know, what goes on behind the scenes, and Jumbo's Lacrosse TV definitely, you know, definitely gives those people on the outside as much inside information as, 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 we, can, as we can get to them.